Hello and welcome to another epic themed edition of Life of Die. I'm your regular host Gordon and although he's going to be a little quieter than usual in this latest episode, I'm once again joined by fellow epic fanatic Craig. How are you doing Craig? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Good stuff. And in this latest episode we're going to be continuing talking about our favourite second edition armies. I say we, it'll be me this time. The reason being that we're going to be looking at the squats this time. And probably the first thing I would say about the squats is that they have the shortest variety of troops of all the kind of army lists, basically across certainly second edition epic. There really isn't a huge amount of variety, and that's the real reason that Craig's not really going to be so involved tonight. He's going to be listening in the wings, but I'm sure you'll be able to chip in your own thoughts as well. Anytime you want to come in, Craig, please do so. I will do, yeah. And when I get it wrong, especially. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's got that kind of fairly limited army list, it's just going to be me because the two of us really would probably come up with very similar lists. Although, hopefully, with my smaller armies, there might be a few surprises there. That I'm not sure we would have done the same thing. So, I suppose, as usual, I should start this by saying this is not an exhaustive list. There will be things that we'll miss out, although probably not too much with the squats because I think I have covered most things and I do want to talk about one or two things that I'm not taking in the list at the end of it. But yeah, you know the format by now. It's uh, These are just suggestions and things that we enjoy. Just getting into some generalities about the squats, probably the first thing that's worth mentioning is that the squat formations have very high breakpoints, which is really good because it means that your opponent will have to work really hard to pick up victory points. The downside of it is that they also have slightly higher victory point yields because of this. But certainly the breakpoint being higher is really good because basically the opponent pretty much has to wipe out the entire formation just about, not totally, but thereabouts. I was looking at like the Grand Battery earlier on and it's got a breakpoint of 13, uh, sorry 12 rather, and that's with you know 15 in the formation, so that gives you an idea of how high the, the victory point yield is for them that's new to the game, that's usually like 50% of your, just over 50% of your formation from memory, that usually has to get wiped out before the breakpoints will be handed over, so that makes them really tough, I mean I've played against the squats a few times and, and I've felt that frustration as a player that you basically got to pretty much annihilate them <laughs> before you get all these points back <laughs> um, and have these, you know, literally one or two stands left in a, in a unit before they're broken, you know. So they're really good that way. They're really tough. They can soak up a lot of, you know, take a lot of abuse, basically. And um, your opponent might still might not be getting the points. So I think that's worth saying. The other thing I was going to I was going to ask you actually, Craig, your own thoughts about the squats. I know that you don't really take them yourself, but you have faced them a few times against me, and I'm just wondering what your general opinions or thoughts on them were. Yeah, I have started making up my own force of them. It's one of those ones I didn't collect at the time, but having played against you a few times with them, I find them incredibly frustrating to play against. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of inspired me to make my own force up. But yeah, I think generally speaking, I, th I think they are quite a kind of they're quite a slow force to play against. I think. Either that or the perception of them is that they're slow. Mm -hmm. I think there's ways around that. When I've played against you, the, well, we can talk about tactics, I guess. You, you'll probably talk about tactics later on. But when I've played against you in the past, I've always found that they're good when you don't spread them out too thinly. If you kind of keep them fairly compact, you can use them as a bit of a kind of a slow-moving nail straight through um, the enemy rather than spreading them too thin. I think, they, I think they tend to get picked off they're kind of going for too many objectives but yeah they're a really tough nut to crack for sure yeah definitely i mean i think that is a good point tactics wise that i think probably it's something i picked up actually from the battle of golgotha uh, report that was in the white dwarf which i recreated last year and i remember that i think it was jervis johnson but yeah they basically rammed their whole force just down like the kind of bottom quarter of the board and let the orcs come on to them and pretty much dominate the board the orcs so yeah that was something i think i picked up on from that report and i've pretty much played them that way by and large throughout but at the same time, when you got onto the 5,000 point list, then you, you know you can spread your forces out a bit. But mm -hmm. I do tend to sacrifice a bit of board with most squat forces. I just basically accept that I'm probably not going to get any objectives in the enemy side of the board. And quite often I'll maybe only sit on three objectives on my own side. And really the rest of it, I'm hoping to break units left, right and centre across the, for the opposition, whoever that happens to be. So yeah, I think that is a tactic that I've used a lot because, it, as you say, once they're spread too thin, they can be you know run through fairly easily. That's what I've found. But when they kind of cram together, they can be <laughs> nightmarish for an opponent because they're really going to struggle to get that kind of respond to the firepower that the squats have got. And that's one of the main things about the squats as well, that the firepower is pretty incredible that they've got. 
Anyway, on that note, uh, you were talking about tactics here and about them being slow. So first of all, what I would say is if MD's not already looked at Hero Hammer number two, please have a look at it. I actually have an article on that where I've picked a 3,000 point squat list and I would say it's fairly bog standard. I just basically wanted to tick all the boxes with you know the different types of things. So I would say that for a, a more representative 3,000 point force, we're, not, we're going to start with 2,000, don't worry, but I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this for a reason. In my 2,000, 3,000 point lists, I went really gamey with them for this podcast, but if you want a kind of more bog standard list, if you like, of squats, have a look at Hero Hammer because that's effectively <laughs> what, I, what I did with that one. But if you want to be really sneaky with your opponent, because I think what you said is right about the squats. I think there's a perception amongst a lot of epic players that the squats are slow. And the reason that people think they're slow is because the troops basically don't come with transports. They've got a lot of artillery, which is static. They also have the, the Praetorians, you know, like the Colossus and the, the Cyclops, things like that, which are very slow moving. So that's the reason why they have this reputation. So if you want to be a bit gamey and really pull a, <laughs> a fast one on your opponent, these are the lists I've made for the 2000, 3000 point ones to really mess with your opponent's head if you're going to do a small game like that. So for the 2000 point list, I've went absolutely crazy and I've taken two squat guild biker forces. So these bikes, first of all, I think the bikes are amazing. <laughs> they're, they're just like these swarms of bikes. You can you can actually split them up. They're not like an Imperial Guard where they have to move as a swarm, but they do happen to be very effective when they are used that way. The basic bikes have got a calf of plus four, which is pretty insane. Beats any other bike as far as I'm aware, other than maybe like... No, it does. It beats, it beats all the other bikes because um, they get plus four in, in close combat and most other bikes are plus three or some of the Imperial bikes are only what, plus one or plus two, is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they've always got the edge in close combat when they meet up other, against other bikes. They also have the trikes in there as well, which also have plus four calf, but be mindful of those because you also have the multi-melter on it, which is 25 centimeter range, one dice, three and more to hit, minus two modifier, which is pretty, you know, that's a really good weapon. Um, you do have a 30 move rate on all these bikes, so you can get them into that kind of range of 25 range. Normally, I, you know, we've talked about it throughout the series, I, I kind of shy away from weapons that are anything less than 50 centimeters, but in the case of the guild trikes, yeah, I have used them effectively before, particularly if you can get in behind a force as well. That's another yeah. tactic I quite like trying to get behind, <laughs> trying to get them behind, uh, you know, like the land raiders or something like that. They're sitting there in first fire, get them in behind. The minus two then suddenly becomes a minus four, or even if it's a side minus three, that's really effective at taking a tank down. Mm -hmm. So don't forget about that, that you've got those trikes. Don't just throw them into close combat as, as I quite like to do. You've also got the guild masters as well, which have got plus five, which is even better. Same move rate of 30. They've got a last cannon, so it's a 50 range. One dice, five or six minus one. So they're pretty good as well. So I really like that. I mean, I always have at least one biker force in every squat army because they're just, you know, they're the best of all the, the bikes. And you and I have talked a lot about how we like bikes. So they're excellent from that point of view. I suppose the one downside to them would be if you were playing against the Eldar, which have the skimmers, and the skimmers they wouldn't be pinned by them if they charged them, and they were still to move, if that makes sense. That's the other thing as well, that normally a bike unit, you would get five bikes on it. Or is it six? Yeah, it's normally five, yeah. Yeah, five. Whereas, okay, you get five trikes in the trike squadron, but you also get your guildmaster for that, and in the, the actual biker force, you get seven bikes plus a a guild master as well so it's a phenomenal number of bikes mm -hmm. all of which have that plus four calf so you can really wipe out certainly opposing cavalry quite easily you can dominate that battle and if you're playing second edition you can really afford to chuck a lot of these certainly the bog standard bikes because they've got no weapons it's just the plus four calf so you can really go crazy with them and, and throw them at enemy vehicles just engage them first turn if you can like if, particularly if you get the initiative in, in second edition you make the other side move first so they've got to move all their, their vehicles into the positions they want to and if you've got your, your 60 charge you've got a pretty good chance actually have been able to get into close combat first turn if you can get it just right then you can just throw those bikes right in it you know, the likes of land raiders and, and uh, grav tanks and all these kind of vehicles and they can just cause absolute pandemonium. The other thing that's great about the bikers is obviously the same reasons that we've said in other ones, that 
you know, they're great for moving around the battlefield and stealing objectives from if they're, if they're unprotected. So with two guild biker forces, to me, in a 2,000-point game, you can do a lot, a lot of damage. You can really go crazy. And again, in second edition, this is one of the things that we used to do when we were playing it as kids, was we used to use these kind of formations. The Windrider host was another one that was a favourite for this, where we would actually just charge them into close combat with Titans. And obviously you would lose the first probably two or three rounds of, of close combat, but after that you would be getting hits in in the Titan because basically you were getting that extra D6 for every subsequent attacker. Um, so that is a really good tactic in the second edition, is basically using bikes to you know take down Titans because once they land a hit, then I think they just roll on the damage table. Mm-hmm. don't think right. there's any... Uh, there's no armour save, and I think you still need to roll for scatter though, so you could possibly, do you know what I mean, miss that way. Is that right? Oh, I'm not sure actually. Is it <laughs> automatic hit to the legs, is it? I think that's an epic is thing. Is that an I... epic thing? Yeah, I'm getting so confused. I've, I've got too many rule sets in my head now. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Mm. The kind of point of it is that you can still basically inflict damage on a Titan just with multiple bike units. For me in second edition, Titans were a wee bit frail, or certainly they were prone to that tactic. That was something I, I saw happen a lot in second edition because once one of us did it, we were all doing it. I'm not sure, I'm not going to say it was me that was first, but it probably was me that was first to do such kind of gamey tactics like that. <laughs> so, two of those biker forces in a 2000 point game, you can basically grab objectives everywhere. Your opponent is not going to be that maneuverable, but that's not all you've got. That's only 1,200 points so far. So I'm going to take some Berserkers. Berserkers, I think, are pretty decent. Their calf isn't particularly amazing. Plus two. However, they always get to reroll once when they're fighting against other units in close combat. And if it's squat, if it's orcs rather that they're fighting against, they can reroll ones and twos, which is really, really powerful. Particularly because the orcs are, you know, they tend to have a fairly poor calf. I mean, the goths are the best and they've only got plus three, although it's a different story when you're taking on the knobs, of course. But being able to reroll those ones and twos against orcs is pretty powerful. I've taken two squads of rhinos, once just to take those berserkers. One of the things that we've, I think we might have mentioned this in a previous episode that I'm prone to do is, is uh, have transports roaring off and, and stealing objectives. I can actually do it legitimately here because because the squat, the squat rhinos are a separate formation, so I think it's fine for you to do that. It might not be so much in the spirit of the game when it's like marines who are supposed to, the rhinos are kind of supposed to be attached to the troops, but certainly here I feel, I don't know, maybe you disagree Craig? I don't, I don't know. No, no, I think, it's, I think it's fine, like you say, they are separate units. It's, it's different for the marines because they are attached to that detachment, so in second edition they have to stay in coherency with them. Yeah. So the rhinos allow you to get those berserkers into the battlefield wherever you, you want them to go. I mean, you, you could just stick the berserkers in a, a kind of deep objective. Okay, they're not going to really do anything, but so long as you put them somewhere where they're kind of hidden from sight, then the opponent can't really do anything about it until he gets close, in which case you can engage in close combat by charging. As I say, the two rhinos units, they're useful for just sitting on objectives as well. And the final formation I've taken are the Iron Eagle gyrocopter wing. I really love the Iron Eagles. I think they're, I think they're a, a tremendous unit. I think they're one of my favourite units on the whole game. The reason I love them so much is because they have a 40 centimetre move rate. So I usually have them in charge orders first turn. I don't know if it's necessary, to be honest. But it basically means you can move from your baseline to the enemy's baseline. And if again, if you're playing second edition and you've made your opponent move first, then you can just move them right behind them and uh, line them up for next turn to just hit that force from behind, which is really brilliant. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good tactic. And it's, again, you can either have them all quite close together or you can, you know, I tend to split them up actually in the, into the groups of three if I can. I wouldn't say that I do that that often, but I think it would be a really good tactic against somebody that was not really expecting you to do it. Again, it's a, this whole list is set up to catch the opponent on the hop, as it were, and hopefully they wouldn't really expect you to do a charge right to their baseline. The other thing that's really amazing about them, okay, they've got a decent calf, which is plus three, which is good, but they have three attacks, basically. They've got a battle cannon, which is one dice, five or six, minus two. It's 50 centimetre range. And they also have two auto cannon, which are also 50 range, and two dice, five or six, with a zero modifier. The gyrocopters are skimmers, which basically means that unless they've already moved, they can't really be jumped by non-skimmer units. They've got a 360 degree fire, so even if you're out of arc, you can still fire an opponent, which is great. 
I suppose the only minor quibble, if you were going to moan about such a, an amazing unit, is that they've only got a 4 plus save, so any kind of last cannon that hits them is probably going to kill them in all likelihood. And even if you hit it when get hit by a bolter, you've only got a 50 50 chance of survival. So I think that's pretty, that's really nitpicking, and it's, it, they're actually an amazing unit. The other thing that I really like to do with them is tend, I tend to like to put them behind woods and then use the pop-up attack from turn two onwards. You know, have them popping up and just batter, batter, batter it, whatever's out there. So, yeah, that's my 2000.4. So, hopefully, your opponent will think, oh, I'm playing against squats. They're really slow. They're really ponderous. And then they'll be caught in the hop <laughs> because you brought this really maneuverable force. So, that's my thinking. So that's my 2,000 point list. And basically for the 3,000 point list, you know, it's almost a carbon copy of that. Um, so I've got the, again, two biker forces. I've got the gyrocopter wing. I've got two squads of rhinos. I've dropped the berserkers in this one. And the reason I've dropped them is because I'm bringing, first of all, an overlord armoured airship. These are another fantastic unit. <laughs> they're probably the most frustrating unit to play against. I, I've found. Yes, I would. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, they're an absolute nightmare. The reason is they've got a 15 move rate, which is actually quite good for a, a unit. You know, it's that kind of chunky. Basically, it has a one plus save. Now, I'm, I'm slightly worried about this because I've got a feeling that an epic might be different. So, yeah, if you fail the one plus save, in normal circumstances, your unit is destroyed. However, the Overlord Armored Airship, for some for reasons which I've, I've never understood, but I don't really care because it's brilliant. <laughs> There's a, you're all a D6 and a 1 to 3. The shot has no effect as the shot passes harmlessly through. How on earth, what, like, why? Like, how is that a thing? I don't even, I don't understand the why of it. Aye, the, the argument is it's all these it's because they're multi-celled gas pockets or whatever, so when you shoot through one, it just kind of seals itself over. All right, okay. Um, and you can't shoot it by, uh, you can't take it down just by shooting through one of the cells. You've got to hit the kind of gondola or the, the engines or whatever, so it's... Right. That's the kind of thing. I've just realised I've got this backwards. Yep. You roll this D6 first. Yep, exactly. I was just about to correct you, that's right. I know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one to three passes, that's it. Gone, nothing happens. 45 there's a gondola hit, and you make the one plus save there. Or if you fail it, you crash. If you roll a six, it does crash basically. So it goes, scatters 3d6 in a random direction. Anything under that suffers an automatic hit and must make an unmodified save to survive, which is fair enough. But that is the most frustrating thing for MD that's playing against these things. Or that, and of course, they're floaters, which means that you should always have them flying high. And it basically means that the opponent has to add 25 centimetres to his range to hit you. Which, especially if you're playing against orcs, most of their stuff is 50 centimetres. So they have to get their units within 25 centimetres to fire at the overlords in the first instance. Second instance, they'll probably get a 5 or 6 to hit. So you're only going to have, like, you know, for all the shots that they're going to do, probability-wise, you're only going to get 1 in 3 is going to hit. And then, even at that, 50% of those are going to miss because of the gondola thing. It's just, it's the most frustrating unit in the whole game to try and deal with. You really need Volcano Cannon, and even at that, you're still at the mercy of this dice roll. So if I'm playing against squats, my personal tactic is to completely ignore them and deal with everything else on the board because it just ends up soaking up all your so much fire that it's like an unwelcome distraction, basically, for me. Mm. I just want to break units as quickly as possible. But sometimes you can get lucky against them. You can, but it is definitely the hardest unit for me in the game mm -hmm. to deal with at all, to actually land that killer blow. As I say, sometimes you will get lucky and you roll that D6 and you will get the 6 straight off. It's putting out, putting out a massive amount of firepower as well. I mean, it's the same as a squad of land raiders, effectively. Plus it's got its autocans and bolters and stuff. So yeah, it's not just defensively tanky, it's it's insane offensively as well. I was about to come on to that. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they've got a phenomenal amount of firepower. They've got the battle cannon, which is 6 attack dice, 5 or 6 minus 2. Like you say, that's equivalent to 3 land raiders in a single unit. On top of that, you've got four autocannon, which are 50 range, which you probably will get into 50 range. They don't always come into play, depending on how savvy your opponent is. If they know about that, they might want to keep their forces back a bit. But 10 attack dice, I mean, what's not to like? I mean, it's amazing. And as I say, they're so difficult to deal with, and they're so difficult to get into range with if you're playing against a, a force that doesn't have much in the way of long-range fire. They've also got the melter bombs. 
I'm not really going to say much about them because it's one of these things. It's basically you, you kind of drop little counters as you kind of fly over units. And in actual fact, that never really happens. And the reason it doesn't, I don't bother with that, is because I pretty much just get the armoured airships into the position I want in a, a certain camp, pretty much. Because there's no point. You are putting yourself in more risk or putting them at more risk if you want to close the range and get into kind of close range to use the, the melter bombs. So I just don't see it as a worthwhile tactic. It's like, no, keep things at distance so that not many units can fire at you and make the most of those battle cannon in particular. No cannon, as I said, quite good for clearing, you know, lights of uh, dreadnoughts and bikes and infantry and things like that. So the, the auto cannon aren't useless. I wouldn't say that at all. So at 10 attack dice for a unit, which is 250 points, that's pretty amazing. And it's definitely, what's that? that's the same cost as a land raider formation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. And for me, apart from the fact it's got the four extra attack dice, the frustration factor alone makes them more than worth that 250 points. It's a fantastic unit. Always take one if you can, is my advice anyway. Sorry if I get a bit too excited about that, but I, I really love the, over, the Overlord Armoured Airship. No, I agree. So the last unit I've taken for the 3,000 points, I've taken this as a, an extravagant one, is the squad, Ironbreaker Squadron, which is 900 points. So I think I did mention that I've taken the two units of Rhinos. So the reason I've taken them is that I want those Berserkers that come with the Ironbreakers to be deployed as quickly as possible. So those two squads, sorry, I should have said that, with the Ironbreaker squadron, you get a Leviathan, you get a Warrior unit, a Warlord, and nine combat squads, and two Berserker units, which have one Health Guard stand and five attack squads. So the Health Guard are pretty good, they're just kind of like command units, but they've got decent weaponry, they've got a good calf as well from memory. And the same can be said about the Warlord, they're all quite powerful individual units, and they all get that same command rule where it's charging first fire. Yeah, 50 range, the Warlords get 2 dice, 5 or 6 minus 2, which is effectively a single land raider, so pretty good, and he's got a calf of plus 6, which is amazing. And you've got the Health Guard, which are, again, I don't know if that's an epic thing, there's plus 6. I've had a feeling they were plus 4, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong in that. Again, 50 range, 1 dice, 5 or 6 minus 2, charging first fire, so they're really handy units to have, they're good backup. The combat squad, I'm not really that fond of it. Again, it falls into that hated category of, you know, they the, uh, basically have 50 range, one dice, five or six, with a zero modifier, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which, you know, again, we've talked about it a lot. Yes. <laughs> Useful against bikes and infantry, but not much else. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I tend to put the combat squad just, in, you know, I, I just tend to put them somewhere in the baseline and have them charge into a build, or hopefully a series of buildings would be preferable. I wouldn't like to put 10 units into a single building. That's just asking for trouble. You should never do that. <laughs> Even with squads of six, I, tend to, I would prefer to have them in two or three different buildings. And what I tend to do is have maybe two buildings and then there's like a guy in between to keep the coherency. That's what I usually do. That's my tactic. And I've mentioned about the Berserkers before that, you know, they're good in close combat. They reroll those ones and reroll ones and twos if it's orcs you're fighting against. So pretty effective. Well, you can either use them to camp if you want. Depends what you want to do. If you've got any wood objectives basically that's where i would send them same as i would for all my close combat specialists into woods certainly if i was playing against eldar i would not be offensive with them because their troops are just you know as we talked about in that episode they're so good they're so powerful that the berserkers won't really stand much of a chance however if you were up against marines orcs imperial guard yeah, they've got a decent chance, definitely. You've got the numbers, though, at least with the against the Eldar, because you're talking about squads of four and you're going up against a squad of five here with that hearth guard, which is, what, plus six? So I don't know. I think, I think you've got a good chance. Yeah, if, mm. you, if you were sneaky with it and, and you doubled up that way. But uh, I personally wouldn't like... If the, the battle was striking scorpions or howling banshees, yeah. I personally would rather have those than the uh, squat version. Well, of course, the... It depends as well with the Howling Banshees because you have to, to be the person that engages, aren't you, to use that yeah. Mandy Blaster thing, the 5+. plus. So, yeah, it depends. It depends. But certainly Striking Scorpions is, is one which I keep going on about all the time. Nothing really can stand up to them, I think, is, is how I feel about them. And the last thing, obviously, that that formation gets is a Leviathan. Now, the Leviathan, I would say, isn't as good as some of the other Praetorians. Well, the other two, rather. But it's still really, really powerful. You've got uh, 75 range, you've got 6 attack dice, 5 or 6 is minus 1, okay. Not an amazing 
to save modifier, you might struggle with some tanks with that, but it's certainly good for stripping shields if there's an enemy titan. And you've also got a battle cannon, which is the same 75 range, one dice, four or more to hit, which is, so it's got a bit more accuracy, which is good. And it's got a minus two of that one. And the main thing, which is great about the Leviathan, and it's great about also the Cyclops, uh, sorry, the Colossus rather, is the Doomsday Cannon, which is 200 range, D6 plus three barrage points, and it's got a minus three to save modifier. So anything to that barrage template, it's fairly variable, obviously the D6 plus three barrage points, but you know, most of the time you'll be hitting on three plus most of the time, or maybe two plus if you're lucky. So anything that's under that template is going to take a, a bit of a hammering and not much can stand up to a minus three to save modifier. So it's really, really powerful. And the other thing about it is that the void shields as well, it's got four void shields, so an opponent is going to want to be stripping those shields as quickly as possible and, and taking you down. One thing I would say, again, this is an epic difference, is that in second edition they're not as durable as they are in net epic, and it was all to do with the fact that in net epic they gave all the Praetorians these hit templates, the same as a Titan would have, so they're not quite as durable in second edition. But, you know, there's been times where I've seen, even with the damage table thing, they've been taken out with a, a lucky first shot. But I would be slightly more worried if I was playing second edition because you do have, it's a one plus save, which is fantastic, obviously. But I would be more cautious about it slightly. I would be slightly more, I wouldn't be wanting to open up to quite as much fire as I probably would if I was playing the epic because I know it can take a bit more punishment in the epic. But it's still a formidable, you know, Praetorians, any Praetorians are really, really good. And I think they're pretty good for the, you know, for the points that you're you're paying as well. I think they're good value for money. And they're command units as well, so they always get that first fire. That's right. And so you're, you can you can have them always trundling forward and and shooting, so you don't have to choose too much with them, which is good. Yeah. Again, it's one of these units because of the range it's on them, the seventy-five and the two hundred. That even though I can move them ten centimeters, I often I won't yeah. because I would rather keep them in the kind of limits of range for the opponent so it makes it harder for them to, to be in range and, and to, to do that. That's one of the that's one of the kind of follies of that card or that um detachment for the squats is the idea is that obviously these all these troops go inside the Leviathan and, and, and ride it into battle but it's yeah it's a bit of a fool's errand that one because the, the Leviathan goes the same speed as the troops or the maximum speed of the Leviathan is half the speed of the troops so it's um yeah it's a bit of a trick to fall into that one i think yeah and i never have them on board another reason you don't want them on board as well is obviously it just makes it an even bigger target you know you're talking about a unit which i, I think is, is it 350 for Leviathan, i think for the mm-hmm. for the imperial guard and suddenly you're talking 900 points worth of stuff here so yeah it's a massive massive target if you if you were you know foolhardy enough to want to load it up with uh, with all these squat troops so i would never ever do that i would always have them deployed either on foot or preferably as the case is here rhinos certainly for the berserkers the combat squad is going to have to be foot slogging so i'd probably march them into uh, buildings or woods if i couldn't effectively defend and hopefully some stuff will come in that they can maybe pick off the odd thing here and there but i don't have too much faith in them so that ties up my my very gamey uh, 3,000 point list. As I say, have a look at Hero Hammer 2 if you want to see what a kind of more generalised list would look like. I'm moving on to the 4,000. This time I've decided I want to try and get some more variety. I want to get it more like a kind of normal force that I would actually normally use. As I say, those the two and 3,000, I was really trying to do something different there and catch the opponent off guard. And you can afford to take a few risks, I think, at a small points game because it's fun to experiment with those kind of things. So, But obviously, once you get into kind of form 5,000, you're going to have a more generalised force and you want to have a bit more of everything and don't want to... You know, by having all those bikes, yeah, you can definitely dominate the cavalry battles and you can probably hit some infantry, but you might end up having a whole load of bikes at the end of it that you can't really do much with. So for that reason, I've kind of dropped off now one of the biker forces. So I'm only using the, I'm only using one of them. <laughs> I'm in a kind. And I've again, I've kept Iron Eagles because I just think they're amazing. And I've, I've also kept the squad, Ironbreaker Squadron, which is, again, I think it's a decent unit. I like having troops in it if I can, to be honest. I feel it's more flavourful to have some of those foot troops, even if I don't find them that effective. I do like to have them in there if I possibly can. So those three basic blocks are there. 
and last time I'd only taken one airship, this time I'm taking the air attack core, um, so you get three of those overlord armoured airships, which is even better because it means that they've got to kill two of them before they can get any break points, which is just so satisfying to watch your opponent just throwing so much firepower at them, hoping to get the two of them down, and it's a real struggle to do that, actually. It's really, really difficult to do that. No, and I know fine well as well. something something i was just thinking of there as well with the ironbreaker squadron the leviathan effectively just counts as a unit for the breakpoint there's no there's no special compensation given for destroying that leviathan that's true whereas if you were to take a leviathan standalone for 350 points you know would be given away four victory points when it's destroyed you know but with the ironbreaker squadron it's just another one so yeah it makes it a lot harder to break again that unit yeah, I never actually thought of it from that point of view. That is, yeah, another really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not 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 to give you any more ideas for your. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I would have done it anyway. That's the thing, because the Leviathan is a good unit, and as I say, it's nice to have some troops on the table if you possibly can. Again, I've got a squad of rhinos. I've preferred to have two, but I, I couldn't fit the points in here because of the things that I thought. Nah, I really need to have that, and I really need to have that. So I've only one squad of rhinos, so they'll be taking one squad of berserkers, and I can use them offensively and use the, the other troops. They're just going to have to march into woods or buildings. I've also taken for the first time in the list a Goliath mega cannon. This is a another great squad unit. I think I do love the squats actually, the way that I'm talking here. I think I think I've always really loved the squats. I think they're a really effective force. All their stuff is really good. Troops accepted maybe. You know the troops are fine, but they're not exceptional. The Goliath Mega Cannon, obviously the big downside with the Mega Cannon is that it's a static well, it can move five centimeters if you want to. You're never gonna do that. You want to have it in place at the very start of the, the game. You want to have it in open terrain, seeing as much of the board as possible. It fires at least 50 centimetres, so you can't fire at less than 50 centimetres. So I always stick it in a corner of the board, but it can fire up to 250 centimetres, which is pretty much, if, you were to me- if you're using a 6x4 board from memory, if you put it in one corner, you can pretty much hit stuff even at the opposite corner in a 6x4, no, like diagonally opposite mm-hmm. from memory. You can pretty much get anything on the board. It's got D6 plus 4 barrage points, so again, you're going to be, most of the time you're going to be hitting on 2s or 3s. It's got, a, obviously it's a burst template, it's got a minus 3 to save modifier, it ignores cover because the explosion is so massive. So any troops hiding in buildings, well, first of all, the building might come down and it's got a very good chance of coming down because it's a minus to save modifier. But even if it doesn't, the troops are all going to die if they get hit, basically, because... Um, it ignores the cover and they don't get that tricky minus two to hit. Mm. So that is, it's great on a, a number of levels. It's a really effective piece of artillery, so it's another favourite of mine. Although I, I don't get them in as much as, as I would like to, because I do favour some of these other things I've been talking about tonight. So, on top of that, I've got a land train, which is one of the, another one of, another great unit. <laughs> I sound like a broken record tonight. The land train, okay, the, the big downside with the land train is its speed. It only, can, can only move 10 centimetres. And the other thing about it is, unlike the other Praetorians, it basically operates in normal orders, so you don't get the kind of charge and first fire thing that command units normally do. Which is, I, I, never, I never quite understood why they did that with it. It doesn't really bother me, because it's got so much stuff that I suppose it should have a downside, I suppose, is the way that I look at it. So you get the land train engine, and I've also taken the battle cars. In theory, you could basically, if you had the, the miniatures for it, you could. I think you're allowed to put whatever cars on it, mixture of cars that you want. I've never done that. I've always wanted to have one of each of the different cars. I'm not sure if it was an epic thing or if, or if it was uh, something later on that had additional cars. Yeah, so it was a Citadel Journal article that brought in the, was it? the other ones. But yeah, so in plain second edition, you have to take one of each car first before you start doubling up. Right. Well, that's fine because it kind of suits me because it, that's what I do anyway. To be honest, I've never actually used any of the, the additional battle cars that they brought out. I've always just stayed with the bog standard ones. I've... Yeah, I think, I think they were they brought things out like uh, it was an anti-aircraft one and things like that because at that point it was quite late on. It was one of the later sort of Citadel journals for second edition. I think at that point there was a lot more flyers being banded around, so mm. it's a good way of countering that. It was about the same time they kind of brought out Thunderfire Cannon as well for the squat. So I I don't have any Thunderfire for that reason. I, yeah, 
I, I don't have the, the cards from and, and to be honest, we've been kind of ignoring for the most part the flyers, so mm-hmm. I haven't dealt with it. In fact, none of my list, I don't think I've had anti-aircraft stuff, but they probably are worth thinking about every now and again if you are going, to, if you think your opponent's going to be bringing a lot of flyers, but for the most part you and I don't really bother, so we're kind of, I suppose, maybe just a bit traditional that... Gentleman's agreement, yeah Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think partly because we've never really been that happy with the flyers rules, I think that's part of the, the issue Yeah, they're a wee bit kind of um, shoehorned in at the end of second edition, but yeah they've, they've been handled a bit better in subsequent editions for sure. Yeah so the land raider, yes, sorry, land raider, the land train. You get the engine, which the engine has a one plus save. It has plus six calf, which isn't that amazing if you're going to be if you've got some nasty close combat troops, but it's still pretty decent uh, coming up against it. I mean, what's great about it is that it has the four battle cannon, which are all four pluses to hit, minus two to save modifier. They're also in a turret, which I believe means they should be able to fire 360 degrees, and they also have the Doomsday Cannon, which I've mentioned, it's exactly the same as the one in the Leviathan D6 plus 3 barrage points, 200 range, and minus 3 to save modifiers. So really, really powerful, just the engine itself. You then get the cars. So the first the first car that I put in on behind the, the engine is the Dragon Battle Car, which is a flamethrower template that we've talked about so much throughout this series. 4 plus to hit big template. It doesn't come into effect most of the time just because of the fact that the land train is so slow. But it is handy if any troops are foolish enough to come close that you can try and flame them out before they get to fight you. I then take the Berserker Battle Car, which the main thing I forget about that all the time is it actually comes with a unit of Berserkers, which has been so many battles I forgot to field them and it's it's an annoying thing to me because I usually end up remembering halfway the battle and I can't use them. So always remember that you have those Berserkers in the Berserker Battle Car. But I wouldn't, again, same as we were talking about with the the Leviathan, I wouldn't deploy them inside it because it's too slow. You may as well just get them charging up into holding an objective so they're a bit of a free unit and I, I think it's good from that point of view especially when the squats as we were talking about earlier on can be because of the, the cost of all this stuff it can be spread a bit thin so having any extra unit at all is, is brilliant it's really good the other thing about the berserker battle can i can't see it the other thing about the berserker battle car is that it has two auto cannons so 50 range five or six minus one not amazing but it's something you've got a bit of range there i then usually have the bomb car which is next, which has a rad bomb, which has a large, the really large template that the gut buster has that the orcs have when you use that air burst template. So I think it's 12 centimetre template. So it's a really large template. You can place it anywhere in your line of sight. So no range, you know, you can fire it anywhere you can see basically. And it's got one dice to hit anything that's not, well, anything that's under it. Three plus to hit, uh, minus one save modifier. So it's a one shot weapon. That's the only downside, but you know, the 12 centimetre template is amazing. You know, you're, particularly if you're up against the likes of Orcs and you've got a, you know, a whole mob there, you can absolutely decimate them with the, with the, the bomb battle car. Yeah, it's interesting as well. It doesn't, um, it ignores cover as well, but it doesn't ah, yeah. doesn't destroy buildings because it's just radiation effectively. It's, it's like a kind of small nuke, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, again, it's another really cool weapon. It's, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. And then the, the last um, battle car that I have is uh, the mortar battle car and the reason i always stick that in the back is because it has a minimum range of 50 same as the goliath mega cannon i was mentioning earlier on you can't fire it within 50 range of yourself but it can go up to 150 not as not quite as long because it was 250 for the mega cannon the goliath mega cannon but you know 150 range is going to get most stuff in the board particularly if you place it centrally anyway it's got six barrage points which isn't amazing it's that's a four plus but it's got a minus three to save modifiers so again if you can catch some stuff under that you can do some real damage so that's the uh, land train so that is when you think of all those cars together that's a phenomenal amount of firepower and it's you've got to buy the cars on top of the actual it's a special card for the land train itself which is 350 and then you've got to pay another 250 but for 550 points that can easily deal with titans which are at least as expensive usually the only things I can think of that are cheaper are, you know, likes of Revenant uh, Warhounds. And to me, the land train has, has so much more firepower and you know, potential of doing damage than those other ones do. And finally, to round off my list here for my 4,000 points, I've taken the Colossus because it's another big favourite. Um, MD that's playing squats really wants to be playing using 
Praetorians, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the Colossus is, looks fairly similar to the, the Leviathan, but it's a lot more, for me, it's got a lot more bang for its buck as well. Same one plus save. It has eight battle cannon at four or more to hit, minus two is to save modifiers. So really accurate, a good to save modifier, same as a Laz cannon. 75 range. That's pretty devastating in itself. Let's get the Doomsday Cannon, which I've mentioned earlier on again, exactly the same as it was in the Leviathan and the Land Train. You've got a Thunder Gun, which is 50 centimeters, one dice, three or more to hit, minus three. And again, that's pretty accurate. Good for a good tank killer, that little Thunderer, if you can get into range. And the other thing it's got are the missiles. And the missiles have 100 range. They've got six barrage points, which I think is four plus and it's minus one to save modifier and either fire I think it's four missiles from memory you either fire them singly or you fire them as a collective it's up to yourself what you want to do or how many in fact i think you can decide yourself how many of you fire until you run out of them but the templates basically touch each other so you can really have a really powerful bombardment if you fire all these rockets at once but again if you happen to be facing the likes of imperial guard or orcs pretty handy if you've got these big formations either of um infantry or cavalry particularly the ig i'm thinking of the, the rough riders i quite like devastating rough riders with uh <laughs> with those uh, missiles so the colossus is amazing it's got six void shields and again it has a charge and first fire oh the other thing it's got is the recon gyrocopter which can also charge and first fire which is a bit bonkers to me because it, as i said earlier on the, the iron eagles are really great because you know 40 moves so you can basically move 80 centimeters every turn and first fire which seems a bit weird to me but do i like it when i'm using it of course i do <laughs> it's brilliant another thing that's good about the recon gyrocopter is you can get into places in the board that means you can see some you know, like enemy units where they're, if they're trying to hide if the opponent's trying to hide them behind something you can get that gyrocopter and if it can spot it then it basically means that the colossus has a a direct line of sight for the for the doomsday can does that apply to the missiles as well i'd imagine it does doesn't it anyway i think that's right that it can fire the doomsday cannon recon basically can spot for it and it counts as a direct barrage instead of having to roll for scatter that you normally would yeah but um, if we've got that wrong let us know please in the comments <laughs> so yeah the, the colossus is <laughs> as its name implies is an amazing Praetorian is, is, I think it probably is the best one, but there's not much in it because there's a, another one as well, which we might get to in the next list. And so that wraps up the 4,000 points, and last but not least, 5,000. So once again, we've got the air attack core, we've got the gyrocopter wing, a biker force, skill biker force, and this time I've taken a whole Goliath super heavy artillery battery, so I've got three of those Goliath super heavy cannon. I mean, I wouldn't group them so close that they could be hit by a barrage, but I tend to group them roughly around about the same place when I'm placing them on the board. Again, I prefer the corners. So maybe I would have two down one corner and one down the opposite corner. I don't know. But those super heavy artillery, tremendous. Again, if you've got three of them, you're going to deal out a lot of punishment to your opponent until he takes them down. I think that's the only thing about them there. I think they are relatively brittle. Yeah, they get a five plus save, so they're a bit brittle that way. But that ignoring cover thing is, is really handy. And again, buildings probably won't stand up to it. I've also taken two squads of rhinos. And this time, and I, I really loved the fact that I didn't have them in before. I've got two squads of squat thunderers. Squat thunderers are like, yes! <laughs> they're like the, the ultimate um, devastator heavy weapon unit, I think, in the game. I've been waiting on seeing them all night and can't believe this is, this is it. <laughs> Not until the last list. I think it was really because of the because I wanted to have the uh, iron breakers, and I mm -hmm. think that was really mm -hmm. what cost them their place. Yeah, because I wanted to have a bit more of a kind of variety of the troops. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the Thunderers are just an incredible unit, and the reason they're incredible is not because they're any faster or they've got a great calf. They don't move ten centimeters, same as anything else. They've got plus one calf, which is not amazing however they're light devastators so they've got 75 range you get a minus one to save modifier five plus to hit but instead of having two they have three attack dice so basically you're dealing out five, 15 attack dice with each squadron so with two squads of them i'm throwing out 30 attack dice which is just you know it's that's mind-blowing and when you think of all the other firepower there is here and there's still more to come so i'm going to have the land the land train in here which has had all those weapons that we just talked about the colossus which had all those weapons i just talked about and we've got three air attack 
<laughs> ships, which was it 10 dice, I think we said they had each. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal amount of fire. Incredible how much firepower you can get into your squat force, backed up by that artillery that I said, that heavy artillery. And I've got two more units here, which I would say in general terms, I might or might not use. Um, a lot of players won't have access to them, so I'm really throwing them in just because I happen to have the models. I've got the squat mole, which is a tunneler, so it can emerge basically in, in amongst the enemy ranks. So that carries, it's got a health guard stand and nine combat troops. So it's basically like a combat unit with a, that it can emerge wherever you like, which is a lot better than the standard for combat unit for me. Because at least that way, they should be able to get within 50 range quite easily and be able to advance fire at things. I would say that's probably the one unit that I'm a bit not that thrilled about, but I have the, I have the model, so I've got to use it. I think the second one of this type that I'm taking is the termite unit, which I do think actually is a lot more useful the mole unit. Same thing, it's three little termite tunnelers and they emerge and the berserkers can come out and hopefully they'll be able to get into a position on the enemy side of the board where you can either do some damage or at least steal an objective. If the opponent has forgotten that you have tunnelers and um, has left a, has think, thinks it's a, a very safe objective that they don't need to defend, <laughs> suddenly... I've never done that. Never done <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I always like little units like that because that can happen. You mentioned it at the start that you've got them, and then players just get wrapped up in the game and they forget about the fact that the other person's holding something in reserve. It can be a nice little, well, depends depends which side of the board you're on. It can be a nice or horrible a little surprise halfway through the game. So yeah, I quite I quite like them, and that's pretty much it. Except the one last unit which I had to have in because it's just it's a favourite of mine again. I mean, I feel like I've just been saying everything's a favourite. I mean, what's not to like about the whole squat force, really, overall? The models, just the models. <laughs> you don't like the models? <laughs> I, can't, I can't abide some of them, I don't know why. That's, that's what's put me off all these years. <laughs> and even now, I've got I've got like 6,000 points I'm sitting there to paint, and I just can't do it. <laughs> what's wrong with the models? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. They're just... I don't know. What I will say about the models that I did hate was when I was painting them, painting the beards. That drove me insane. <laughs> <laughs> that, that really, yeah, yeah I nearly had a breakdown at the end of that. I think it was just, I think I just wanted to have a little cry to myself in a darkened room after painting all the beards and the across them all. <laughs> but the last unit, which is for me, is one of my favourite epic models of all time. Actually, is the Squat Cyclops. I was right with the Colossus. I think I said there was four myself in that. There is four in that. The Squat mm-hmm. uh, Cyclops has six of them. And, and they're Death Storm mm-hmm. missiles. I don't think they're quite as... Yeah, they're five or six to hit, whereas the, the missiles and the Colossus are four or more to hit, and they have a minus one, whereas the Cyclops is a zero modifier. So they're not as powerful, not as accurate, the Doomstorm ones, but again, you have six of them, and you can chain them up if you want to fire them, or you can fire them individually each turn. But where it is a bit better is that, again, it's got the one plus save. It's got the Battle Cannon. It's got two Battle Cannon, five or six to hit. Minus two. It also has a melter cannon, which for me doesn't get used enough. And the reason is because it's it's not because I don't want to use it. I do want to use it. It's just that it's too slow moving. Obviously, it can only move ten centimeters per round in the melter cannon, thirty-five range. If you can get any range, it's really effective because it's four dice, three or more to hit with a minus three save modifier, which is phenomenal again. So any rampaging bites that are silly enough to get anywhere near a, a cyclops are going to pay a heavy price they're going to get wiped out by that, or vehicles for that matter. They're, not much can stand up to those melter cannons. But also, it also has five void shields. It's always in first fire, same as what you're talking about with the, the Colossus. But it's the Hell Fury Cannon, or I don't know if it was called something different in second edition, but it's, that, it's this huge... And this is what dominates the model. I mean, the, the cannon itself, this Hell Fury Cannon, it's... Um, almost as big as the actual, the rest of the Praetorian. So I don't know what that says about me. There's probably some Dr. Freud will be saying something about me, but <laughs> anyway, the thing that's amazing about the that cannon is that it has, when you, you roll to hit, on the first roll, it's a two plus to hit. It can take down enemy shields. So how that works is that it keeps firing until shields are stripped. So it's really, it's a great Titan killer. Mm-hmm. So the first roll would be two plus to hit. The second roll is three plus. Third is four plus and so on. So you keep firing and knocking shields off enemy Titans. If the last shield is taken down, you then 
apply the effects of the hit to the target. Now, the cannon itself is absolutely devastating because it destroys buildings. It has penetrating damage of plus five. And sorry, the, the to save modifier is minus six. So a super heavy that's hit by it is toast. A building, I think, is pretty much auto-destruction. Because a basic building in second edition is a six plus save and two dice. So minus six, you're going to have to roll. It would only be a roll of two sixes. It would fail to bring it down, is my understanding of it. So a building's pretty much dead if it's got if it's hit by that. And also a titan. So long as it doesn't scatter, a titan is effectively dead as well. If as long as you hit the head or the reactor or something like that, you get penetrating damage of plus five. So even if you rolled a one, you're still getting the maximum six damage. Mm-hmm. So again, even in a, a weapon slot, that would then from memory from the damage would then cause a flashback to something else. You wouldn't get the penetrating damage for the, whatever the additional damage would be. Yeah, that's right. But it's really, really nasty, so it's a fantastic Titan killer. So for me, it's one that I'm always desperate. I mean, I know I've left it to the 5,000 points, but for 450 points, <laughs> that's the problem. That's the problem with the squats, that they're so... I mean, to me, everything I've went through in this list throughout has been phenomenal. It's just that it's pricey, and that's why they have this a bit of a reputation of being slow and, and certainly a bit too thinly spread, as we were talking about. So that's why I, well, the two of us, I think, would tend to kind of concentrate our, our squat forces rather than kind of having them too strung out. Because, again, all this firepower we've just talked about, I mean, it's there's not really anything else in the game that can stand up to that kind of amount of firepower. If you had all your, your marines with several titans and devastator company and land raider company you know I, I still would have my money on the squats with that kind of level of firepower it's just that yeah they're a phenomenal force i disagree to say that they're pricey in some regards i'd say that colossus or sorry the cyclops would be cheap at twice the price yeah i know that's true more than capable of one-shotting uh, a warlord titan turn one with that especially if you're using it in conjunction with another Praetorian to maybe strip the shields a wee bit first. Yeah, I would do that. Especially with both of them firing first fire. Generally speaking, in turn one, you're moving your Titans, so you're maybe not getting that first fire. Yeah, there's a, there's a good chance you you could just take something off the board quite easily with that. Yeah, and the, and the fact is as well that the Colossus and the Cyclops together are 950 points, which is 50 points more than a Warlord Titan. And this is one of the things we said back way back at the start with the Marines. I was complaining about the... Mm. Maybe whining a bit too much about it, but... <laughs> the, the the warlord titans are just for me are not good value yeah. for the points particularly because of that reactor in the front that's always driven me insane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to me i would it's a no-brainer like if you had the choice of a warlord titan or a colossus and a cyclops that's i would rather have the two of them than two warlord titans that's yeah. that's how good i think the two of them are well i feel i mean i think that's the cyclops came into the game kind of around just before titan legions i think maybe mm. it was kind of late on in second edition or mid midlife for second edition i think that's possibly why it was brought in was to be that kind of titan killer because at that point you're now getting titans in battle groups where you're getting a free one effectively and, and all this kind of stuff so uh, yeah, that's true. So yeah it kind of makes sense that they, they brought it in at that cost as well to balance things out a little bit but yeah, so that wraps up my squat forces. I'm sorry you didn't get too much to do there, Craig. <laughs> no, it's fine. I've got my opinions on them. And that's, that's, that's all it you know. Is there anything you disagreed with? You, or uh, was it really the Berserkers sooner or you would rather have seen them in sooner? Was that the Thunderers. The uh, Thunderers, yeah, sorry, yeah. Potentially. Do, no, I do, I do agree with you. I think you, you did the right thing with the, with the bikes in the first couple. I've actually... When I eventually I've built my squat forces, I've just not painted them all yet. But it's something I've done as well is is built up two <laughs> nice. biker guilds worth and done them all as kind of hell's angel style <laughs> Viking biker gang. But um, I think the bikes are phenomenal for them. And like you say, all the units are phenomenal. There's not many filler. You've got the warriors or the combat unit, whatever they are, are just your your standard stat line. But everything else has a a really strong hand to play. There's there's not anything that's too fillery. You know, they share quite a few of the imperial units, so your robot and tarantulas and stuff like that and it's just yeah yeah you wouldn't bother with them no i agree with what you're saying about they're cheap for what they are Mm -hmm. in terms of these praetorians but because so much of your force is 
Well, the, the airships, one of the downsides about the airships I didn't mention earlier on is that they can't take objectives. Mm -hmm. So you've only got three models there for them. You've only got each of these Praetorians as one model. So when you have a lot of these, and again, like the Goliath Mega Cannon kind of falls into the same category, you don't have a lot of models on the board. No, no, that's right. So that's why it has that effect of feeling really thin. You have fantastic firepower, like unstoppable firepower, but the price to be paid for it is that they just don't have enough to hold on to a lot. Certainly they don't have enough stuff to have incursions into the opponent's side of the board, which I would normally, most of my games, I want to usually be targeting at least one or two objectives in the enemy side of the board. I do want to make incursions and I want to kind of break up their ranks if I can. But I don't think I would ever do that with the, the squats. Partly, as I said earlier on, I didn't feel that the Berserkers, the close combat guys, were good enough to deal with the likes of the Aspect Warriors. But also, you kind of need them to defend some of these objectives deep in your own half of the board, just to hold on to them as best as you can, because all these other, you know, the Land Train Colossus and the Cyclops, it's only three models, and you know for a fact that you're going to be talking, you know, if it was like a Devastator company, that's 18 stands plus nine you know, Rhinos and stuff. I know that they can't stand up to the firepower, but it means you can spread them out a lot better and you can capture objectives and things like that. So that is the, definitely the, the thing you've got to be careful with with the squats, is, is making sure. That, and that's part of the reason why I did actually take the berserkers and things and the combat guys earlier on was just really for to fill that role of setting an objective, mm -hmm. defend it, and let these other guys get on with their, their work, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I think that they're a really hard force to face. I don't like facing up against the, the squats at all because I, because I, I know how good they are and I know how difficult they are. And especially, as we said, with those airships as well, they're just they're maddening how difficult they are to, to take them down. So, yeah, just seeing as you mentioned about the carnival of the unloved, as I, I like to call them, mm, yep. with the tarantulas and rapiers and robots and all these these kind of underwhelming units that we've talked about in other podcasts the three other things I, I wanted to mention which i haven't taken first of all is the squat grand battery yep which has thud guns and two lots of more mortars for 400 points i just don't like these units and the reason i don't like them and i, I would like them better if we played second edition yep is in that epic most barrage weapons can't destroy buildings whereas they could second edition so to me in second edition the likes of the grand battery would be quite useful because you could take down buildings with that and you had a reasonable chance of doing it would i take them over the goliath mega cannon no i still wouldn't no. even in second edition i wouldn't because to me the three mega cannon are easily <laughs> the equal and and better of those 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 three units mm -hmm. but as it's, it's, it's a unit that i definitely did used to use yeah i haven't really done it since uh, Net Epic, and that's the reason it's not in there. Yeah, I mean, there's some funny ones like Momorters as well in Second Edition. I don't think they do this in Net Epic, but in Second Edition, they do that whole thing where they create the creators, which can like slow down units and it can be really annoying to play against as well, where you can get you know things stuck by them. So they're actually quite good for pinning down the enemy. And again, I suppose the idea is, well, you've just got so many of them, it kind of makes up for their low barrage point value and things like that. So, but yeah, I think I think in direct comparison with the Goliaths, you wouldn't take them, but I think probably most people got them in their squat plastic boxes, whereas finding three Goliath mega cannons is a bit of a, bit of a stretch sometimes. So maybe that's the reason that you don't see them as much. That's true. And again, this was one of these forces that was kind of fleshed out for me later on. I think I had... Yeah, that's right. I, rem I remember it now. It's just came back to my head. Like, man, my pals. What, what, what was your proxy for getting mega cannons? I'm, I'm intrigued to hear this one. My, uh, well, it was it was actually the Leviathan stroke Colossus stroke Cyclops. My pal had Milliput. Mm -hmm. And he, he built these kind of basically square blobs yep. <laughs> that, that uh, substituted. In actual fact, the proportions were pretty good. Yeah. They just didn't look that great. But um, I thought. I might still have. I don't know if I bin. I think I did bin them actually <laughs> at one point because I, I had enough of them that I thought well, I don't need these. No. It was uh, maybe I should have held on them for nostalgia reasons. But my Cyclops, yeah, my Cyclops is a complete kit bash because a I'm not going to spend the eBay prices for one, and as I mentioned <laughs> before, I just I don't know. I just can't get behind the sculpt for whatever reason. But really, yeah. I can't believe that because it's my favourite or one of my favourites <laughs> of the whole. It just looks so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. but, yeah, I've kind of again, I've, I've kind of themed my squats to be a wee bit more of a 
a mining guild rather than I don't know what they're sci-fi dwarfs obviously is what they are and with all the ruins and I don't know the, the aesthetic of them is a bit odd to me whereas I quite like the having effectively what are repurposed industrial vehicles for like you know mining and stuff so that's my that's my train of thought with them and that's what helps spur me on to pay them <laughs> when you say about the vehicles are you talking about some of the ones that because one of the things that happened and it's and it still is when I said at the start it's one of the shortest lists no mm. pun intended this time the Epic did add in some vehicles and things is yeah. that those are the kind of things you're talking about like the Iron Hammer and Iron Shield that kind of no, stuff no I mean that, those ones there's not really obviously there's never any official models for them so it's just been people's interpretations and I can kind of get behind that but no it's, it's one of the few I've obviously got massive nostalgia for them seeing them in the battle reports I didn't have them growing up but I think partly I just didn't I just, didn't, I just never liked to look at the models for whatever reason the cyclops and the, the colossus especially i just oh, i don't know and the, <laughs> la- and the land train now that i think about it yeah, i've just never been a fan of them i have even actually owned them at points in time and then sold them on without painting them because i just can't get into it but i think this is more a me problem um, i'm pretty sure the rest of the world would totally disagree with me here so that's that's all right we're allowed to agree to disagree i don't know about that i don't know about that not on the, not on the internet <laughs> <laughs> but yes welcome the comments on that one yeah, so the, the last couple of units I was just going to mention there are another couple of special cards. One is the Living Ancestor, and it's just one stand. From memory, uh, the weapons aren't anything fantastic. It's 25 range, one dice, fire six, zero modifier, so it's not anything particularly amazing. However, he's got psychic powers, which they give out a psychic saving throw to squat stands within 25 centimeters. That's not the bit that I'm interested in. There's not enough things that use the psychic powers for that to be that much of an effect. Weird boy psychic bolts, yeah, that's handy. The Eldar Warlock powers, yeah, but you know, it doesn't really come into proceedings that often to be worried about that. The main thing that's really good about the Living Ancestor is when he's within six centimeters of a warlord at the start of the orders phase, he can draw on his, his experience to advise a warlord, basically kind of predicting the future. This means you can place d6 extra order counters on units in the warlord's brotherhood. When the orders are revealed, you can then choose which orders the unit will actually have. So it's a nice little ability. In practice, I don't ever use them, to be honest with you. It's 100 points, which seems... Well, it's a kind of nice flavourful thing. Seems not that cost effective. And the other reason I really don't take them is because I tend to be filling up my special card slots with, you know, the likes of the Land Train and the Colossus and the Cyclops. So that's another reason. And the other card that comes into the same category, which I don't really use that often, is the Grand Warlord. So he and his Health Guard form a single command unit. They never need to be given orders and don't have to check morale broken. The Grand Warlord's experience and leadership mean that the squad player can also add plus one to his dice roll for initiative once during the game. That's really, really handy, particularly if you're playing second edition. The initiative is a lot more important because who moves first and who moves second, particularly in turn one, can actually affect the whole outcome of the game. So having a Grand Warlord, yes, I can see the value in, in having one of those. So And he also gives anybody within 10 automatically passes morale checks. That's a bit irrelevant. Again, it's the same. The morale value is pretty good for the squats. Most of the stuff, I think, is twos and threes. I think there's a couple of things that have morale value, but on the most part, I think there's morale too. And obviously all the Praetorians and stuff doesn't need to bother with morale. So yeah, those were the other ones I just wanted to mention because I know that there are people who probably have found uses for them and it wasn't that I didn't think about them. It's just Praetorians, give me Praetorians. That's, <laughs> that's what I want when I'm playing squats. Anyway, that's an, an insight into what I think about this, the squats. And if you don't agree, please comment below. Yeah, feel free. Just send us abuse. That's that's absolutely fine. Um, always enjoy reading the comments. So that wraps up our squats. So next time, Craig, it's your special. I'll be the one taking the back seat in the next one. Yeah, I'm going to do Tyranids or Tyranids, depending on what you're. <laughs> that's, a, that's the first first debate to get to get over. <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing Tyranids. Um, I'll take the lead on this one, despite not having much, if any, more experience fueling them than you do, probably. But but yeah, I've been reading up a bit on them, and uh, I've got everything laid out for them, so I think I'm a bit fairly educated, hopefully now, to talk about them and maybe insight into some tactics using them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely one that neither of us have played much of. I think it was one of those ones that came out as we were probably both coming out of the game or leaving the game, so maybe didn't get to see them much. So yeah, they're a really interesting one, and especially I think it, they fit in well with the squats as the, the lore is that the turn has wiped out the squats, so it'd be interesting to see how they potentially would match up 
in the air. Yeah, that would be a good one to do, actually. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that you know, when we were discussing them. I think obviously the firepower of the squads is incredible. And obviously the high break point is another big selling point of them. But with the Turnids, they don't care about objectives. They just, um, we can talk about it more the next time, but yeah. effectively they, they don't claim objectives. They only, they get points for breaking and then they get points again when they completely wipe out a card. So there would be a really interesting matchup for the squads, I think. Yeah, that was definitely one we should, we should try at some point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think so. Beyond that, that obviously that will be us. We've covered all the, the kind of main armies that you, mm-hmm. you can get. Now, NetEpic does actually have a number of other armies. The Tau and... I'm trying to think what the other one. I think they actually have a Slan army. They have a bit of everything. It's like all sorts, yeah. They've got bit, and... Yeah, they brought in Necrons and Tau for the most part. And then, um, yeah, they've done things like Sisters of Battle. And effectively, almost everything you can get in, in the kind of 40k universe is now there as well. Yeah, those are things that we're not going to cover. Eldar Exodites is another example. They're just too niche and frankly, I, I don't know, do you have a Tau army now? A Tau army, yeah, I've never never used them. It's only about 4,000 points-ish, maybe. So it's not really, it's not probably worth talking about. But I think, yeah, I really want to get a game in with them. I think we'll definitely put that in the, the calendar at some point. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, there's there's not they're not massively fleshed out. It's something that the Epic France guys have been kind of leading the charge on, and they're um, continuing to update the Epic army lists with more modern units as they become available, either from you know 40k passed down and, and sculpted by whoever, or third parties and proxies and things like that from likes of Onslaught Miniatures and, and Vanguard and things. So there's there's a lot of life in NetEpic in that community. Um, so I'd, I would also advise if anyone's particularly want to play Tau in the second edition-ish rule set, then they should check out the, the NetEpic France stuff because it's all been, it's mostly all translated into English now as well for those of those that didn't pass their, their standard grade French at school. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's all definitely worth checking them out for more up-to-date army lists because even NetEpic itself you know, probably stopped getting updates with regards to units and things like that good few years ago now yeah and uh peter's moved on to imperius dominatus now anyway yes exactly which is another one another one we need to check back out again at some point <laughs> i know add it to the, the ever-growing list <laughs> absolutely yeah. what i was going to say there is that after the tyranids episode we're going to do i can i suppose questions from the community type thing and also, we're going to talk a bit about NetEpic and that, because I have mentioned it quite a lot throughout the series. Good times, yeah. Because there's people who have asked me online, what is it about NetEpic? That, why do you not just play second edition? So I do want to actually explain the reasons. There's a number of reasons why I prefer NetEpic. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a lot about that in that episode, but there's a few other people have sent us questions over the, the last few months. So we'll try and answer as many questions as possibly can. But if you have any any other ones you want to ask us, you know, just drop them in the comments. And um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to ask that, answer those questions when that episode comes around. So yeah, a couple more episodes to come yet before the, the series wraps up for our, <laughs> our Christmas break. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I know that's ridiculous talking about Christmas at this time of year. But anyway, let's let's, <laughs> let's not do that. Then. So thanks again for joining me, Craig. I'm sorry you were sidelined a bit tonight. Oh, I enjoyed it. That's good. And uh, I look forward to t- taking a back seat in the next episode. <laughs> so until then. Keep on living the life of die.